0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Balanced Black Girl. I really appreciate you tuning in. So last week we kicked off our rest and digest series, which is our final series of the year with some winter and holiday season self-care tips. If you haven't tuned into that episode, highly recommend going back and checking it out. And today we have a really special episode about healing, reflection, and acknowledging our personal growth. My guest today is the incredible Alex L. Alex is a New York Times best-selling author and well-being teacher who helps others find their voice and create clarity in their lives and relationships. She just released her latest book, How We Heal, which guides us on a life changing journey to begin again, grow, and heal not only ourselves, but the generations after. Now, right now in Club Balanced, our community on Geneva, How We Heal is our December book club pick. So, if you want to read the book and want to talk about it with a supportive community, join us in the club. We would love to hear your takeaways. The link to join our Geneva community is in the show notes. We would love to have you and we would love to discuss the book with you. Now, I absolutely loved this conversation with Alex. First of all, Alex is a dream guest on the show, so to have her was wonderful. We got so real and took an honest look at healing, the good, the challenging, everything in between. We talk about owning our gifts, owning that we are the experts in our own lived experiences, healing our inner child. and She talks a lot about what it looks like to heal your inner child while also raising children, which is quite the balancing act. We also talk about the importance of reflection, when to take a break from the work, which by the way, right now, end of the year, this season could be a great time to take a break from the work and so much more. So here's today's conversation with Alex. Welcome to Balance Flat Girl. Alex, I am so excited to have you. Thank you
0: for having me. I can't wait to dive into this conversation. I feel like it's going to be good.
1: Oh, it's definitely, definitely going to be good. <laughs> right now on the podcast, we're in our Rest and Digest series. So we're starting to reflect on 2022 as we embark on another. So I would love to hear how 2022 has been for you. And if there are any maybe lessons or experiences from 2022 that you are planning to carry forward? Well,
0: 2022 has been very busy. I'm a mother of three. I have a husband. I write books. I'm teaching. I'm doing all these things. And so a lot of this year has been trying to harmonize my time. I've moved away from trying to balance my time because I find that it just, it's hard to balance, but learning how to harmonize and kind of like live with the ebbs and flows and the busyness, but also take a step back and try to figure out, okay, what's working, what's not working, what's serving me, what is not. And like taking inventory. I try to do that every quarter. And that's what I've been doing more intentionally lately, just so that I can find time to like really sit down and be with myself and also make changes if changes need to be made.
1: Definitely. I love that use of the word harmony and also how you used inventory. I find something that I tend to struggle with is just with flexibility. Like I'm not the most flexible person. And so sometimes I hesitate to change things, even if it's not working, but it Mm -hmm. sounds like that's something that you kind of work into your process.
0: I try. I mean, (laughs) it's not, it's not always, it doesn't always work, Mm -hmm. but I try. And I think I would have to say I'm not the most flexible either. I really like to know what's happening, mm-hmm. when it's happening, how it's going to go down, right? So then when things don't happen the way I think they're going to happen or things don't go down the way that I was expecting them to, it, I can get kind of rigid. And mm-hmm. so learning how to just trust the path, be flexible, be flexible. Which is, just, it's, it's really hard to do that, especially when you are learning how to relinquish control. Yeah. So I'm like right there with you. You are not alone. <laughs> yes. You're not the only one. It, it's hard. It's hard, but it has to be intentional work. And that's what I try to do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially when you are kind of integrating so many areas of your life for you as a mother, as a wife, uh, as a writer, as an entrepreneur, It can almost feel like there's safety in trying to control those things, which I think is why we do it, but it's also impossible to an extent. (laughs) Reminding ourselves of that
0: is important. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, there is a sense of safety, especially like if we look back at our childhoods and like what we've gone through, where we've been, what we need to unlearn, what we're still unlearning in adulthood. Like it can be really hard to relinquish control, especially if that's been. A safety mechanism or a defense mechanism. Right. And so I think that's something I'm learning as well. Not being so rigid, not being so controlled and just trying to find ease in what is happening in the moment. Not even what is happening today, but like what is happening right now. Yes. So getting back to, to that and, and being like, okay, well, this is what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. What can I do about it? And what can't I do about it? Because we mm-hmm. don't often look at that side of things either. Like, What's done is done. Let's try to figure out how we're going to move through this with a little bit of ease versus fighting it because it's already been done. So we can't keep fighting things that, have, that we cannot change. Yes.
1: What can't I do about it is a great question that I don't think I've ever asked myself, but I'm definitely going to <laughs> moving forward because that's a really, really good question.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad it resonated. Absolutely. Take all the questions. Yes. All the journal questions. Like uh, Exactly. Oh, Write that down. <laughs> exactly.
1: That is what we're here for. That's definitely what we're here for. And, you know, something that I think a lot about when it comes to our desire to control things is that it can sometimes be a little bit of avoidance as well. And when I think about avoidance, I actually think a lot about discomfort. I know I do it a lot when I'm avoiding things that I don't want to dig into Mm -hmm. because I'm like, okay, if I uncover all of this, if I open Pandora's box, am I going to be able to get it all back in (laughs) um, and let it all out? Then what? So how do you navigate that? Then what?
0: Oh, Is there navigating of then what? Right. Is there even? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think think my then what looks like being with the mess, Mm -hmm. opening the box and being with the mess. I really think that's how we heal because so often we are conditioned to ignore things, to turn away from things, to um, dismantle discomfort instead of sitting with it. And so what I've learned in my meditation practice, in my breathwork practice, in my walking practice, which, which serves deeply as meditation for me, is how do I walk through discomfort and walk through my mess? I don't have to clean it up today. Mm-hmm. And being okay with there being messiness is hard because I'm a neat freak in real life and I'm also an emotional neat freak. So I'd like <laughs> to know again where stuff is going. Yes. Why is that out of place? Yes. You know what I mean? And that's a big part of just my own mental health stuff. I have OCD and having it adult OCD is just the wildest thing. And so that's where a lot of my tools come into play. It's like, okay, you can't do anything about that right now. Let's walk through it. You can clean up later. And that that tries me in the worst way because I'm, I'm wanting to clean up as I go. Yes. But if I'm cleaning up as I go, I'm not being present. Yeah. I'm not being intentional. I'm really not looking at the mess. I'm just tidying.
1: Mm. And that distinction between like a tidy and a, a deep clean are really important mm-hmm. with emotional mess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs>
1: And, you know, something else to just thinking of these scenarios, you know, maybe where we reopen an emotional mess is that feeling of like, oh, I thought I was over this or I thought I got through this already. And what is coming back up here? (laughs) And
0: And why? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, mean, for me, a big part of my healing and self-care practice has been giving myself grace when things come back up again. Mm Which, you know, is no easy lift, especially when we think that we've done like all this hard work and all this soul work. And then all of a sudden it's at the surface, knocking us down. The first thing we do is not, girl, give yourself grace. The first thing we do is, girl, why are you tripping off of that again? Didn't you heal from that already? Mm -hmm. Didn't we do this already? And it's like, that doesn't help us. Yeah, Being hard on ourselves being unkind to ourselves does not help us heal. Yep. But I know for me, I've been asking myself this question a lot since turning 30. So I'm 33. So over the past three years, I've been really looking at like, whose voice is that? Mm-hmm. Is that my voice? Is that my parents' voice? Is that an ex's voice? Is that an old employer's voice? Whose voice is that? And if I can't, I can't make a distinction between my voice and their voice. It's time to get rid of that voice. Again, taking inventory, which is something I tell my students and my clients all the time, make a list on the page of what is yours and what is not. And sometimes we'll find that we're being hard on ourselves or rough on ourselves or mean, like straight out mean to ourselves because someone else is in our head. Yeah. You know, and we have taken on their projections and their negativity and their harmfulness as our own, but we don't have to do that Mm -hmm. anymore. A big part of my healing work has been you are safe now. Like, that's an affirmation Mm -hmm. that I carry with me. Yes. You are safe now. You know, you don't have to worry about someone coming in here and ruining what you've made emotionally because you are safe Mm -hmm. and you have the tools now that redirection, like that in itself is offering grace, Mm -hmm. you know, just saying, Hey girl, I know you're trying to go back to that place, Mm -hmm. but you are safe now. Come back here, you know, and just giving ourselves that invitation to be soft with our healing and with our journey. Yes. Oh my
1: goodness. So much goodness in what you just shared I'm also 33. We, we're probably like the exact same age. And that reflection of whose voice is this, is this mine, mm-hmm. is this someone mm-hmm. else's, is so valuable. And when I've done similar exercises, I've also found that not only was I having voices of people in my life, in my head, like mm-hmm. you know, parents, mm-hmm. friends, peers, but also like the internet, like voices of the internet and resounding messages of content that I've heard also can replay and that's important to distinguish as well because we hear a lot of noise even if it's noise that you know someone hears on this podcast that's (laughs) if you hear my voice and not yours don't don't listen to me take it with a grain of salt because there's so much Mm -hmm. that can kind of be in our subconscious yeah
0: and like do we even believe that yeah I always tell people take what I say with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I just have my experience. Yes. Just because I have my experience, it doesn't mean it's right. It means it may be right for me. It may not be right for you. Yes. And I don't think a lot of teachers or facilitators in this space want to admit mm-hmm. that they don't know what they're talking about mm-hmm. because then it makes us seem like, Oh, not the expert or not the guru. Well, we're not. Mm-hmm. We are students of life. Again, my opinion. Yes. We need doctors to know what they're doing. And you know what I'm yes. saying? And psychotherapists and all that. So I'm not just going to say, you know, everybody, you don't need to know what you're doing. <laughs> but what I am saying is that, but even with those careers and experiences, everything comes with work and practice Yes, with experience. Yep. That's why doctors go to residency for, umpteenth years, Mm -hmm. right? Gaining experience. Because a lot of us, all of us are blank slates and we don't know what we're doing. We have to learn what we're doing and how to do it and how to be efficient. And if more people would, I feel like, be open and transparent of like, I don't know the answer to that, but I am willing to find out, that would just bring so much more centeredness around community and comfort and, Relatability. Yeah. Yeah. At least in my opinion, I love when I have a facilitator who's like, y'all, we are learning together mm-hmm. because that's what I want to do. I don't necessarily want to learn from someone. I want to learn with someone. Yes. And that also may be just how I was raised it might be a trauma response because I really didn't have that type of say in my life. It was always, you listen to me, I'm the adult, I'm the grown-up, mm-hmm. you do what I say. And if you don't, you're worthless because you don't know what you're doing. Right. And so it was really this negative connotation. So now an emotional safety mechanism, I feel like for me, is reframing that and reclaiming that. Yeah. in a way that feels again, safe. It makes me feel seen. It makes me feel supported. And it makes me feel like I don't have to know the answers Mm -hmm. and that I can figure them out as I go. Yes.
1: Yes. I think there's so much just safety and ease to be had in knowing that we have the freedom to stumble a little bit and to -hmm. to work through Mm -hmm. those blocks together and to make mistakes and learn from them and have it be part of the process. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear about how that has influenced your approach to being a parent in, in how you parent your your girls and kind of, I'm sure, learning with them as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, my children teach me so much about how much more work I need to do on mothering myself. Mm-hmm. So I say often, as I mother them, I learn to re-mother myself. Yeah. I really think I have daughters because there's so much young Alex still needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to nurture her through nurturing them. Something that I really take a lot of pride in is giving my children the space to say when I've hurt their feelings. Yeah. Or when daddy has hurt their feelings. Mm -hmm. And our middle child, Isla, she's very, very big spirited. (laughs) And she also is quick to tell you about yourself. And so... (laughs) And she also is a spitting image of me, spitting. Like she will see pictures of me as a little girl and be like, oh, that's me. And I'll say, no, girl, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like this reflection yeah. quite literally. Mm-hmm. And so she's quick to say, that hurt my feelings. Or don't say that to me like that because that made me feel like you sounded mean. hmm yeah. And so we honor that. Yeah, absolutely. And we apologize to our children. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if that sounded mean. Please go put your shoes on and put your socks on and be a good first-time listener. Yeah. And she'll say, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of, I know, go get your shoes. and put, You know, like, the kids don't, like, respond to that. Yeah. Even if parents have said it 10, 20, 30 times. And so Ila is the type of kid who will be like, that was your mean voice. Even if it's not, even if I don't think I'm being mean, I'm being stern, Mm -hmm. but I'm not being mean. She's like, that was mean. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to ever tell her I wasn't being mean because if that's her feeling, like that's her feeling, but I can say mommy didn't mean to be mean. Can we agree that you will be, you would try to do better at being a first time listener and mommy won't have to ask you five times to go put your shoes on. Like, so then like we're really having these conversations Mm -hmm. and the child has a voice. I mean, she's four. I didn't have a voice at four. You go do what you're told and you you might get a spanking if you don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm not raising my kids that way. And so there's a lot of repetitiveness. There's a lot of, yes. (laughs) I just took a deep breath for folks at home. (laughs) There's a lot of grounding breaths that I have to take and that my husband has to take because he grew up in a house where his dad, his parents like deeply loved him and loved their family and their siblings but his dad was a yeller mm, yeah and so Ryan tries not to be a yeller and that impacts his parenting because he doesn't want to yell, mm-hmm. but then he's like really passive. And then the girls don't really, there's no middle ground. The girls like really just don't listen to him. And so like <laughs> we talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm bringing that up because I know a lot of parents who are listening can maybe relate. Like we try to shift how we were grown up, maybe the not so great things, yep. right? That that came up for us when mm-hmm. we were growing up. Like how do we not take that into our parenthoods but we don't traumatize our children? Right. And so it's like all this adjusting and making space for our kids to have a voice, making space for ourselves to have Mess ups and stumbles, especially in parenthood, like if we do raise our voice or if we are kind of short, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't mean we don't love our children. Right. You know, and I think that's something I really had to come to terms with because Mm -hmm. I always felt like love was conditional. Like if I wasn't doing what my caretaker was saying Mm -hmm. exactly, even if I didn't know, even if I didn't know how to tie my shoes and I'm being told, go tie your shoes. I'm like, I don't know how to tie my shoes. Well, we've done this before. Like those types of like that's traumatic.
1: Yeah.
0: That's traumatic. You know, it's like, okay, where do I need to learn patience as a parent? And how can I make sure that my kids feel safe, seen, supported, and feel loved, even when we're stumbling Mm -hmm. and not getting it right all the time. Mm -hmm. Even when we have to repeat ourselves, kids don't know. They don't know. And just like reminding ourselves that we're all learning. Like that's really where I find that me and Ryan are parenting our children differently from how we were raised is because our parents expected us to know things as kids that we didn't know. Right. I mean, we we have a 15, well, Charlie will be 15. She will be 15 years old in November and, Um, So by the time this airs, she might already be 15. And so it's like seeing how safe she feels with us Mm -hmm. at at almost 15 years old and how she trusts us and how she feels loved and how she can say to me, mom, you said that with a tone. Or mom, you made me feel like my feelings weren't valid. Like she uses that language with me. Yes, amazing. She said to me a couple months ago, She was crying about something. She gets very emotional. She's my sensitive soul. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I just remember saying, well, when you get yourself together, you come and talk to me. Like I really didn't have the capacity at that time to deal with a crying fit. Mm -hmm. And so when she came and talked to me, she goes, that was really insensitive of you to say to me. And I immediately apologized. I love you. I am sorry. And not I'm sorry, but... Mm but I love you and I am sorry. Mm-hmm. What could I have done better in that moment of frustration that would have made you feel better? And she told me at 14, 15 years old, I could have never. Right. And so when I say healing is an act of community service, healing is an act of community care, we are able to bear witness to our children, to our loved ones, to our friends, when we show up from a healed place, even when we get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Even when we're being insensitive, yes. the people around us can say that was insensitive and you can apologize and course correct yes. because human beings, we mess up mm-hmm. and we don't always get it right. It's like, so how do we unlearn that just because we don't get it right, that we need to be punished for it or that we you know, need to act out about it. It's like, okay, I didn't get that right. How do I get it better Right. the next time? Yes.
1: Yes. Ooh, that first is just so beautiful. I'm taking like copious notes because I don't have children yet, but I'm like, when I do, I want to <laughs> create that same sense of safety so that they feel safe enough to offer that feedback and talk about their feelings in that way because that's so beautiful and instills so many of the tools that we're now learning as adults in them at a young age, yeah. which is just like chef's kiss. That's the goal. hmm Absolutely the goal. And what I appreciate about the example that you just shared, getting that feedback from Charlie is your ability to take it as a reflection of, okay, what can I do better in this moment versus, okay, well, I'm a bad parent or now I'm bad, right? I remember trying to give feedback as a and as to adults in my life and it immediately going to, well, I guess I'm just a bad XYZ that sort of interaction, which is like, okay, kind of causes everybody to shut down. And so hearing Mm -hmm. how you can take feedback like that, that it doesn't have to be a reflection of who you are, it was really, really helpful to hear you talk through that. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. It's a work in practice. Yes. We're all practicing. (laughs) We are all practicing. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So I really want to talk to you about your newest book, How We Heal, which will be out when this conversation airs. So we will link it in the show notes so that our audience can check it out. Um, in the opening of the book, you shared some of your internal resistance around writing it, which I thought was just really beautiful and vulnerable. You shared how you had some fear around feeling kind of underqualified uh, and coming to a point where you realized that your experience is enough and I think that realization can track for so many things, whether it is writing a book, sharing advice, starting a job, whatever it is. Can we talk through what helped you realize that your experience is enough? And how do you remind yourself of that when those feelings of doubt creep back in?
0: You know, it was really tough. Like I almost went back to school to get a degree in psychology so I could feel like I was enough. Wow. Like that's how insecure Mm. I felt writing this book. But then I had to really think about what qualifies me for telling my story and for helping others. And that is, I am alive and I have been through some things Mm -hmm. and I have made it on the other side of some of the deepest heartbreak, abuse, trauma, turmoil I have ever been through. And so that is enough. Being still standing after the stuff that I've walked through and worked through is enough. And so I had to really ground down into that and trust that. I also wanted to write How We Heal, not as this prescriptive book, but as this companion to people's lives, Mm I want them to be able to not only leave the book out because it's really beautiful. The, the actual, like hard covers, not only yes. is it, you know, a good coffee table book, yes. but it's also something that you return to over and over again. Whether you are a se- seasoned in your healing, whether you are just beginning your healing journey, whether you need a refresher, how we heal is there for you as a friend. And that is really what I wanted to display in the pa- on the pages and I also wanted people to feel like it was accessible mm-hmm. like I wasn't speaking in these fancy clinical terms I was speaking in layman's terms I like speaking about healing and self-care and community care in and- ways that we can understand Right. Yeah. as part of the community <laughs> because I feel like that's important yeah. that's a that's part of the community and as an avid reader and as an avid you know self-help book reader mm-hmm. I'm just like sometimes I'm like I don't know what they're talking about <laughs> yes <laughs> and I didn't want anyone to pick up how we heal and be like what mm-hmm. you know and so I wrote from the lens of a reader like yeah. what would I want to read and I had to get out of my own way mm-hmm. I had to stop trying to talk myself out of writing this book. It was time. Yeah. And so it wasn't easy, but through a lot of conversation with my husband, through a lot of conversation with my therapist, through a lot of internal dialogue, it was like, okay, it's time. You got this. You are qualified. You are enough. And write the damn book. So I did.
1: <laughs> we are so grateful that you did because it, <laughs> it is now here to help all of us. And I think that that also so beautifully relates to what we were talking about earlier in being the experts in our own experience. Like, Who knows your story better than you?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're not taught that in school. Mm-hmm. Like, We need to be taught that we are our own greatest teacher yes. in school. I feel like Some educators are really getting that now Mm -hmm. in this day and age. But I know growing up, it was, we didn't have that. And so I want whatever books that I write to leave readers with a sense of, I got this. And if I don't have it, there's something in How We Heal. There's something in After the Rain. There's something in Neon Soul. There's something in Love in My Language. There's mm-hmm. something in Words from a Wanderer that yes. I can be like, oh, if I don't have it, I can. I know I can go to Alex's books and find something that will trigger me into the space of maybe exploring how to get to where I want to go. That's what's really important to me as a writer and an author is not to just have people reading the books, but have people implementing what they're reading into their lives. Because that's what community care is, Mm -hmm. you know, like making people feel held and seen outside of the pages of the book, outside of the workshops, outside of the retreats. A lot of people aren't carrying the books around with them. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, may not even come back to a retreat or maybe they do, but you can't just be in class with me because you're going to go home and be by yourself mm-hmm. and be in your life. Yes. So the tools are like, how do we get you to be in your life in a way that feels like you have the tools to work through the hard stuff when it comes up?
1: Absolutely. That application yeah. piece and that implementation, that's the, that's the magic. That's where the rubber the meets work. the road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what's hard because, yeah, sometimes I think a lot of this that we do can be done in isolation. And I think that there's a lot of messaging around healing that can really encourage people to isolate in it of heal Mm -hmm. and then connect with this person. Or when you heal, you attract this. And I mean, maybe to an extent, but I think you you don't know how much you've healed until you've really been in community with other people or until those triggers come back up or until yes. you're yes. in the world experiencing. And I think mm-hmm. that the experience has to be part of the healing process.
0: Oh my God. Yes. Healing is an act of community care. Mm-hmm. We need each other. Yes. Yes. I often say there's like three stages to healing for me. And maybe mm-hmm. I'll write a book on this yes. <laughs> because yes, <please>. it's <laughs> like, there is this, there is this isolation period. And then there is this emerging period, Mm -hmm. and then there is this, oh my gosh, this feeling. It's not an arrival, so I have to find a synonym for that, but like, like, oh, I'm out of that right now, you know? And then it can always come back around. Mm -hmm. So it's like this isolation that, or maybe maybe not even isolation. Maybe it's introspection.
1: Ooh, I like that. Yeah. introspection
0: that's good. and getting gaining that deep awareness. Right, because I know that I need my community mm-hmm. when I am in the thick of my healing. Yes, I, th- I think about when I had my children and how each birth, I had community rally around me, mm-hmm. cooking food, coming to hold the babies while I went to shower taking breast milk out of the fridge and thawing it. Like I had girl, my, my girlfriends fly in from where they were to come cook and just be with us for a weekend so that me and Ryan could like nap. Yeah. You know, so that is community care. Mm-hmm. And I was literally healing after having a child. I wasn't emotionally burdened, but I was physically burdened. Yes. And so it was like, we need people to hold us. And we also need people when we're healing these emotional wounds and our triggers and our traumas and stuff to allow us to be in our joy. Mm -hmm. A big part of how we heal is also centering joy in our life. It is not just the trauma because trauma is not our resting place. It is not just our pain. It's also making peace with our pain. And it's also giving ourselves the grace and the space to be like, I am happy as hell right now. I'm in the trenches, but I just had a really happy moment. You know, like, and allowing ourselves to like really feel that so that we're not second guessing if just because we're hurting or we're healing that the joy or the peace isn't for us. It's for, it's for you. Welcome it inside. Yeah.
1: Yes. Oh, oh, that joy piece. That is the one because that's what we want. I mean, if we aren't moving towards joy, you know, like, what are we doing?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. What are some some common misconceptions that a lot of people have about healing?
0: That there is a destination mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you'll get there and then be healed. Yeah. And that's I'm sorry guys, not yeah. the, not the case. Yeah. I think there are steps and stages. I think there are seasons. I think there's different seasons in our healing, but there is no arrival mm-hmm. point. I truly believe that we'll be healing and growing and changing and learning until the day we transition mm-hmm. off this earth. Yep. And I had a woman, 84 years old, at one of my last writing residencies. Mm-hmm. And she came with her granddaughters and her daughter. So it was this beautiful, oh, just family. Yeah. And um, she did writing and she did sharing about how she's learning how to heal from not being needed in the way she used to be needed because her kids are grown and her grandkids are grown now. And now it's just her. And so when she was sharing her 84 years of wisdom mm-hmm. and when she shared her note to her younger self, we were all just zoomed in yes. because she has a different experience with healing and life than we do we're Mm -hmm. 50 years younger than her Mm -hmm. most of Mm -hmm. us and so just to hear an elder say that they're still healing and she's 84 Mm -hmm. years old it just made it was just the affirmation and the confirmation of like oh yeah we're gonna be doing this for for a long time and it's okay yeah and it's beautiful yeah because now she's learning these different ways to care for herself Mm -hmm. while she's Mm -hmm. grieving not being able to care for others how she used to. Mm -hmm. So that really sticks with me when I think about healing and it being a forever love and a forever teacher.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that story. As you were sharing that, what I I was thinking about is a lot of the, I think, fears that people have around the age 30. Like 30 sounds so scary when you're not there yet because it's like, I got to have my life together. If I haven't done it by the time I'm 30, it's not going to happen. But then when you hear mm-hmm. about these experiences of people in their 80s, that 84-year-old woman who is still healing closely with her family. I think about my, my own grandmother who transitioned at, you know, 84. I'm like – there's no way that any of us will spend the next 50 years be exactly the same. Like we didn't meet that 30 deadline. Okay. We're, we're frozen in time for the next 50 Mm -hmm. years. Like it just doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way. And so Mm -hmm. that realization has really helped me not see certain ages as these big, scary deadlines because we're still always Mm -hmm. working and evolving and learning and reconnecting with ourselves and one another in new ways.
0: All of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's not these markers. And I know what society, society has given us that messaging, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and then our parents pick up that messaging and then they give it to us even more.
1: As we mentioned earlier, this episode is part of our rest and digest series to close out the year where we're focusing on resting and reflecting before moving into 2023. And sometimes there can be this desire to push through, right? And to really want these breakthroughs on our healing and, and to f- want to force things to, to happen. I'd love to hear your thoughts on taking breaks from this work from time to time as well. And what helps you recalibrate when you choose to do that?
0: So I'm a big believer in emotional rest. Mm-hmm. Like we don't always have to be healing. We can do other things. Mm-hmm. I actually just wrote, let me read it. And it says, as you heal, You'll learn to rest more. Giving yourself the time and space to replenish is essential. Being addicted to self-improvement won't make you heal any faster. You deserve to take a step back and pace yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's my gentle reminder because I can kind of get super honed in on like the problem at hand or the healing at hand and not and just be obsessed. And it's like, girl but are you having fun? Like, mm-hmm. are you resting? Yes. Are you hydrating? Or are you always just trying to be better? Sometimes where we are is good enough, mm-hmm. you know? And and so when I catch myself in those places of, I like to call it emotional overstimulation or emotional overwhelm, what I tend to do is literally just, and this this is going to sound like I'm avoiding, but I swear I'm not. I just ignore the things that Need my attention healing wise. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, it'll need my attention tomorrow. Yes. Okay. It doesn't necessarily need to be dealt with today. Yes. And again, as someone who leans on to, to the controlling side of things, like that can be really hard. Mm-hmm. And it's really intentional for me to have to take a step back. It has to be like, Alex, put it down. A lot of that will look like, you know, going for my walks, which I do every day, yes. or painting. Which I'm terrible at, but it's so fun. (laughs) I go to ceramics class with my oldest daughter once a week. And so that's our time to like just have fun and make a mess. And so like just finding things that bring me joy. Yeah. You know, outside and and because and because I am in a healed enough space, I can actually access the joy. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's what I mean about centering joy and making room for joy. Because if I was in Still, like in the depths of my broken place or in the depths of my healing, I wouldn't be able to be present in a ceramics class. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to be present on my walks. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to be because I would be so sad. Right. And so it's like allowing ourselves the space to be with joy is so valuable Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. so important. And that is a big part of emotional rest for me, Mm -hmm. like really pushing the healing work to the side and leaning more towards the joy.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: The fruits of my labor, Absolutely. you know, like. Yes. Yeah. Why we're, why
1: we're doing all this because we want to feel joy and, you know, life be life in and, and life can do enough things to compromise joy, but mm-hmm, I don't think we mm-hmm. should deny ourselves joy on top of that.
0: <laughs> there you go. You've nailed it. That's
1: it. <laughs> so before we close out, there are, A few tools that you share a lot in your work that you also share your your journey using these tools with all of us, mainly writing and walking. And I have loved following your experiences, kind of using these tools as you continue to facilitate your own healing journey. There are also tools that I love and rely on deeply as well. So first, particularly when it comes to walking, right? Because Walking is probably my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> is there anything about your like walking practice that has surprised you? And and what has walking taught you about yourself?
0: Oh my goodness. Walking has shaken up a lot of stuff for me. It has brought so many emotions to the surface. I've cried on my walks. I've stomped on my walks. <laughs> I have been pissed on my walks, I've been happy, and so it's really this invitation to like be with what is mm-hmm. in some things that I have been avoiding. yeah so when I need to walk through things, I will literally go on a walk and just allow myself to be in nature, to hear the birds, to not listen to anything but the sounds around me. and that feels really um, really grounding, and it reminds me that there is so much beauty in slowing down and that's what it teaches me to slow things down Mm -hmm. yes
1: yes Uh, that's such a beautiful lesson and i think especially we get that when we do walk in nature and i know that Mm -hmm. you know walking in movement, any way someone can get it, even if it's inside on a treadmill, like do it, move, move that energy through your body. Um, But when we are able to do it in nature, there is something that is just such a sensory experience that just our nervous system just goes, huh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. when we're able to connect Mm -hmm. with nature in that way. And it's just so special. So I I love that you, you said that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's an exhale Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, on the writing tip, because you are just such an example of of how powerful a tool writing can be for healing. And so much of, of your work centers around teaching others how to heal through writing. Mm-hmm. What is it about writing that is such a powerful tool for healing? Like what is it, what is it about writing that it it just helps us in this way so deeply?
0: It forces us to tell the truth. Mm. Because we can't lie to ourselves, yeah. On the page, and if we try to, we'll be like, "Oh, I'm lying," <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like I am not telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Writing allows us to be vulnerable with ourselves first. We hear all about vulnerability when it comes to us sharing our story and our truth with others, but the greatest vulnerability of all to me is when you are vulnerable enough and honest enough with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what writing to heal does. That's how I teach writing to heal. Don't write because you think I want to see something good. I don't actually want to see your work. Mm -hmm. I want you to see your work. Yes, And that is not only do I want you to see your work. I want you to see yourself. Mm -hmm. You have nothing to prove to me. And I think a lot of people think because I write for a living That they have to like be good, Mm -hmm. you know, or quote unquote good. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone is good. And writing doesn't have to be for public consumption. It can literally just be for you. Yes. And so just giving people that reminder of like, tell the truth to yourself. Give your voice space to roam. Be honest about your wants and your needs, about what's working and what's not working. So I tell a lot of my coaching clients too. I ask them the most basic questions. Like, guys, this isn't rocket science. What do you want? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What do you need? You don't know the answer to that? Okay, let's unpack why you don't know the answer. And I bet you you'll find the answer. Mm -hmm. Like getting back to basics in writing practice and in writing to heal practice is how we start healing. Yes, You don't have to answer like, if you were the moon and the star and the trees, (laughs) how would you heal? No, you don't have to do that. And I think a lot of people, and I'm not knocking folks who are like super- whimsical like that, but that's not me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people think that might be me. Like they think I might walk around like barefoot and with sage and like greasing my husband's scalp with coconut oil and stuff. And it's like, that's not what I do. That's not what we do. We are having, we're having hard ass conversations <laughs> and we are human. We are being, we are humaning like everybody else is humaning, yes, you know, and yes. it's just, and it's, it's not, it's not deep. Mm-hmm. I, I'm being silly right now, but it's really not that deep. Mm-hmm. Right. And so getting back to basics And reminding people that your writing doesn't have to be deep and philosophical and any of that. Mm -hmm. It can just be the truth. The truth is stunningly beautiful. Mm. And that is how we heal, Mm. by telling the truth. Mic drop. (laughs) That
1: was, yes, absolutely. And even that going back to basics with that simplicity of understanding how we feel, what we want, where we're at, is so powerful. i I once had an ex- experience with a coach, and the coach was lovely in our sessions, though, she would ask me a lot of the whimsical questions and and want me to answer them, and I, I would always all of our sessions, I think she would get so frustrated with me because I would ask her to repeat them like five times because I just for the life of me, couldn't understand what she was asking. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand the question i don't I don't understand what we're doing here. But if I if someone asks what do you want I'm like okay I could take a, I could t- probably take a minute to reflect on that but I I could answer that I understand what it is that they're asking I just need to look within mm-hmm. myself to understand you know my own truth mm-hmm. but sometimes we can make things really complicated and that can be another form of kind of the avoidance that we were talking about at the top of the episode Yeah
0: and it can make us more it can make us more scared because mm-hmm. then it's like oh my god I have to have That's a deep question. I don't know what I would do if I was a river rock with water (laughs) flowing over me. I don't. No, I'm not a rock. I'm a human. Yes. You know? And so, like, there don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There is a time and a place Mm -hmm. for the poetry of it all. But let's get through the basics first. Yes. You know? Because if you don't know who you are as a human, you're not going to know who you are as a rock. I'm telling you now. (laughs) true. And so... (laughs) (laughs) it's true (laughs) it's true and so a lot of the questions that I open up my retreats and stuff with is who are you Mm -hmm. and then I'll say here's the kicker you can't say or write down who you are to other people yeah and that stumps people and it's that you would think that was the wokest question they have ever heard because First of all, no one is asking us who are we outside of our roles to other people. Yep. You don't have to ask people big questions to get big answers. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've learned in my work as a coach, in my work as an author, in my work as a facilitator of writing to heal is like get people back to the center into the truth of their life by asking them basic questions because the depth comes after. Yes. Like we unpack, okay, well, if you say you are enough, and you write down an affirmation, I am enough. That's great. That's cute. But affirmations without action are just words. Okay. Yeah. So now we have to get to the root of why are you enough? Where are you enough? Where are you acting like you're not enough in your life? Like the depth comes, but we have to start on the surface to get to the bottom. We just do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why that, that I deeply believe that with all of my being and really how I try to lead and live my life as a teacher, but also as just a black woman, like mm-hmm. people expect us to be deep all the time and we don't want to be deep all the time. We don't have to be deep all the time. We can literally just be like, here's what you're going to get today. This is what I got for you. And that's important, like giving other black women permission to just be with mm-hmm. what is right now. Yes. That's sacred healing work mm-hmm. and and spiel.
1: oh. Amazing spiel though. The spiel we needed. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. This conversation I think has just been the perfect talk to help us end the year as we rest and digest. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your time, sharing your space, sharing your experiences with us. Before we go, please tell us about your newest book, "How We Heal," where we can find it, and how we can continue supporting your work.
0: "How We Heal" is out, or will be out. Every (laughs) year, books are sold by the time this uh, comes out, and that's the best way to support my work is by buying my books and by by buying my books. Yeah. And if you want to come learn with me in person, like I love being in person with people, so. All that can be found on alexl.com. And yeah, that's it.
1: Amazing. Perfect. We'll have all of that linked (laughs) in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so awesome.
1: Huge thanks to Alex for joining me in today's episode. I so appreciate her sharing her gifts and her healing journey to help us all heal as well. Head to the show notes to check out her latest book, How We Heal, and join us in our Geneva Community Club Balanced. We are having book club discussions all month long centered on how we heal. Huge shout out to our sponsors who make this show possible. Please be sure to check out the special discount codes and links listed in the show notes. And thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. This was actually our last interview of the year as I'm closing things out with a solo episode next week that's gonna have a year and reflection exercise and it's gonna help you prepare for the new year. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it and I'll see you here next week.